Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Thursday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online with you at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross... Michael Borky, who is with us for the last day before he becomes a father, and I think will return sometime next week. At least that's the plan. That is the goal right now, yeah. So, congratulations. You have made it to the end. you got to get up super-duper early in the morning, go to the hospital, get all the paperwork done. Uh, first thing they'll ask you when the, you walk in the door is how you're going to pay for it. Um, <laughs> my answer is going to be, pay for it's what? It's such an off-putting part of the process. It's like, hey, yeah, it's time for a baby, and uh, how are you going to pay for this? Yeah. Is that really what they'll do? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I would say that the check-in procedures are different in different places. Sometimes you can do all of that stuff in advance, but, yes, they will uh, want to know uh, your insurance information and uh, your plan on how to pay for the bill as part of the check-in process. Or at least that was our experience. They weren't rude about it, but, you know. That is really off-putting. Like, you, you're all excited. We're about to have a baby. Oh, by the way, here's a lot of money that you owe us for this. Yeah, yeah. Good news is they'll usually let you put it on a payment plan if you want to after the fact. There are always unexpected charges that you'll have to deal with when it's uh, all said and done. Yeah. No, excited for you, man. Tomorrow will be a, uh, a really cool day. So October 18th is going to be the day unless little man decides he's coming sometime before midnight tonight. Yeah, and for some reason, there's a bunch of eights. So my wife's birthday is October 8th. We were married on December 8th, and now our baby's going to be October 18th. Sounds like you got some lotto numbers. Something like that. Yeah, and uh, waking up early tomorrow, man, I'm not sleeping tonight. There's no way. Um, I would encourage you, if you can, to give it a shot. I'm going to try. <laughs> I just I just know I won't be able to. Because you'll have plenty of occasion to not sleep in the uh, in the coming days and, uh, and weeks. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing or refinancing needs of any kind, if you're a farmer, maybe not a farmer, but thinking about building a dream house in the country or buying a piece of recreational property, Mississippi Land Bank can help. It's what they do, it's what they know, and they're really good at it, and they're really good to deal with. Great people that you will enjoy doing business with. MSLandBank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Great to be with you on this Thursday, closer to another college football weekend. Hey, Dad. What's up, my man? Not a whole lot. What's going on with you guys today? Other than, hey, you know, curious. birth of a child and whatever else, you know. Yeah, beautiful outside. Yes. Um, I, I saw a message on uh, Twitter yesterday that uh, mm-hmm. it, it called you out, but it, it had me in it as well. And I was curious what this meant. 
Brian Haydad, please stand up for our Hale State family. Sports talk has slowly become an Ole Miss-dominated cadre. I loyally listen to your podcast. Richard Cross has hijacked the show. I am so close to writing this show off. We have 5,000 followers pulling the plug. What does that mean? Oh, I'm agreeing with this guy. we got to take this show back from Richard. This is a crock. <laughs> All right. A, I'm down with that, Rippy. Cadre. Uh, B, I, I like the cadre. Uh, I don't. I, I looked at his Twitter prof- profile. I don't know where these 5,000 people are coming from. Um, yeah, I'm then, not sure what, which 5,000 followers we're talking about. Maybe he yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe he runs a uh, you know a a church that we're not aware of. Where can I find you know, this? It's on Twitter, Twitter.com. Uh, but there's Just also check my mentions. You'll find it. Uh, yeah, I guess my mentions or Haydad's oh, mentions, yeah. or and you then, can just I mean, search hashtag Hail State and find it in there. Yeah, well, that's probably gonna be a little more difficult. There's a lot of those. Um, I don't really know what he's talking about, but uh, I'm willing to take you on anytime, Richard. So bring it on. Yeah, that's fine. I just didn't know if there was something specific that I have said in the last day or two that uh, led to my hijacking or me know. being the hijacker. Yeah, you're the. Hi- that's sort of funny because you know, with my ethnic background, usually I'm the hijacker. But this time it worked out. You're the hijacky this time yeah, around. I, I don't know how to react. I'm, I'm. It's so different. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I, did, I saw that overnight, and uh, I wasn't sure exactly what it was. I looked uh, at it. To. I looked at his Twitter profile. I was like, maybe he has five thousand followers. He does not. Sixty-six and, uh, of them. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know where the other four thousand nine hundred thirty-four are coming from, but. They're out there somewhere. Congrats on hijacking the show that you host, buddy. Hey, Rippy, what's up? Not much. I'm trying to figure out how to take this show back to the people. Yeah, yeah. Hey, this was not necessarily how we were planning to begin today, but this has surfaced in the last uh, hour or so. A report from NJ.com, which is the New Jersey Advanced Media Group. Hey, Dad, I'm sure you've seen this story. Uh, Keith Sargent is the author. He says the coach believed to be near the top of Rutgers' wish list would cost the university approximately $2 million in order to leave his current school and a lot more in annual salary. Mississippi State head coach Joe Moorhead has emerged as a top candidate, according to persons with knowledge of the decision-making process, two weeks into Rutgers' coaching certs. He does specify the person's include university officials, prominent donors, and high school football coaches who have spoken with Rutgers AD Pat Hobbs in recent weeks. Fascinating story. Very interesting. Um, I think it's important to remember, and I, and I don't, I haven't spoken to Moorhead, obviously, but the, the, the article is saying that Moorhead is one of their top choices, not that Moorhead is interested or Rutgers is one of his top choices or anything like that. That's true. So, yeah, that's that's not what the article is saying. It's just saying that Rutgers is interested in Joe Moorhead. There, it doesn't say if the interest is 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 mutual. Um, but that said, you know the fact that people at Rutgers are looking into this, and you know, I, there's a gonna there's at least a a minimal amount of smoke, and there will be something to monitor over the next couple of weeks, especially you know with state a huge underdog this weekend, probably a, an underdog next weekend. I would imagine probably a two touchdown underdog if I had to guess or close to it. And and then you know with the Arkansas game coming up, don't win don't win that Arkansas game, the uh, the heat gets turned up. So that might be a time to monitor this. 
Yeah. Um, like I said, not not a ton to this story other than just some background. Joe Moorhead making $3.05 million this year. It jumps by $100,000 in each of the next three seasons, 315, 325, and 335 through 2023. That's based on the current contract. Uh, Rutgers is currently on the hook for the buyout for Chris Ash after getting uh, rid of him. Uh, they owe him almost $8.5 million. So Rutgers is going to have to come up with some pretty significant money. And if they're going to go get somebody like Joe Moorhead or another sitting head coach, then you know that they're going to have to pay. The average salary among the 13 head coaches that are not Rutgers in the Big Ten is $4.2 million. Harbaugh being the highest paid at $7.5 million. Um, Article says if Rutgers simply matched Moorhead's Mississippi State salary, it would rank 12th in the 14 Big Ten team ahead of only Maryland, uh, where Mike Loxley makes $2.5 million, and Indiana, where Tom Allen makes a little over $1.8 million. Uh, going north of $4 million annually would put Rutgers in the middle of the conference pack. So uh, we'll see. Uh, don't know where this will go, but thought it was uh, an interesting story. After his name was initially there, to me the, the thing that's that's fascinating about this is Bruce Feldman put the, the list out earlier this week. Right. It was not a hot list uh, or, or a hot seat list, but it was a list of coaches uh, who currently had jobs that he thought could potentially be uh, candidates for other jobs this coming off season. He had Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, for obvious reasons, number one on the list. And then number two on the list that Bruce Feldman put out uh, for the Athletic earlier this week was Joe Moorhead. Yeah. And it's just an, it's a very odd situation because, you know, Mississippi State hasn't had a coach leave early. I mean, Kroom had five years. Felker got five years. You know, Mullen was here for a while. Cheryl was here for a while. So, you know, this is sort of uncharted territory for Mississippi State. And, of course, the fact that it's Rutgers is yeah, – Rutgers is a step down from Mississippi State. There, I don't, there's no question about that in my mind. It is. Anyway. But, at the, but at the same time, I mean, if you're Joe Moorhead, are you, are you just willing to, to say, this isn't working here and I don't know that I can get it to work, might need to cut my losses now? Well, and whether it's cutting his losses or just an opportunity to, to press the reset button. That's what yeah. However you want to look, however you want to look at it. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if a coach, because coaches have egos. You guys know this; they, they vary in size. But for a coach to be able to say, "I'm out. I don't think I, I'm, I'm going to tap out on this one. I'm going to go to the next thing," like yeah. that, it'd be, it'd be interesting. Lee Sterling will join us in the four o'clock hour today. Five o'clock hour. Billy Lucci from Texags.com will jump in, and we'll talk a little bit about Texas A&M as they get set to travel to Oxford this weekend. Mike Frazier from JUCO Weekly will join us as we talk some JUCO football a little bit later this afternoon. How can Mississippi State be competitive with LSU? How can they win on Saturday against LSU? We will meander down that road. And Mitt Romney back in the news, um, not as a political candidate, but in telling that NCAA that we're coming for you. Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's jump into some baseball next in the Renaissance Bank studio. Studio. Baseball returns tonight after it was rained out in the Bronx yesterday. 
The Yankees and Astros will resume play in the ALCS. Astros leading that series two games to one. 7.08 Central Time, first pitch tonight on FS1. You've also got uh, Thursday Night Football with uh, Kansas City visiting Denver. Kansas City off to a 4-2 and two start. Denver is 2-4 and four on the year. Kansas City is a favorite in this game, but not a big number. Only a three-point favorite, and some reports out today, Borky, that the injury to Pat Mahomes is more significant than was originally thought. Yeah, so he hurt his ankle in week one and has been re-agitated a couple of times now, and uh, the Broncos are monitoring it, even though they said it was kind of funny that he could beat us on one leg. Uh, Mm -hmm. So really confident going into tonight's game, it sounds like, but... He has been a different guy. The last couple of weeks, his completion percentage has gone down. He stayed in the pocket more. Obviously, because he stayed in the pocket, he's not moving around as much and beating people with his legs. It's something to keep an eye on. He has not looked like himself the last couple of weeks, and maybe because he can't drive through his left leg to throw the football, that might be the reason why. ESPN's FPI, the Football Power Index, gives Kansas City, rounding here, a 64% chance to win the game tonight. Denver, a 36% chance to uh, win the game. It's available on Fox and NFL Network if you want to watch it. Uh, Baseball. So I was not crazy on the whole there was some whistling going on, right? Did you not say this about the Nationals-Cardinals, though? Yes, I was talking about the Nationals-Cardinals game. Oh, then you maybe you are crazy. Maybe I was. No, I went, I'm not crazy. There was whistling that was happening, but apparently it was also happening in Yankees Astros. What's the story here? I don't know much, uh, many more details other than there was some kind of whistling signaling going on from the uh, Astros dugout in Game One mm-hmm. to signal things to the their players out on the field on the base paths. And Major League Baseball investigated it and found no wrongdoing. But my question is, what is what could have been the wrongdoing? Whistling signals at your players. What were they investigating? It's the unwritten rules, man. Read up on them. Yeah, I was going to say, this is, <laughs> but, we're in unwritten rules territory there, brother. Okay, but like you can run across a pitcher's mound. You know, It's not like actually in the rules. So what was Major League Baseball investigating? Ken Rosenthal said the Yankees suspected the Astros used a whistling sound from their dugout in Game 1 of the ALCS as a way to convey signs to hitters per sources. MLB investigated and found Astros did not engage in any activities prohibited by MLB policies. My only guess here is that, I mean, look, stealing signs and trying to signal those out, that's not against any rules. The only potential rules violation issue would be if there was some sort of electronic means that was being used in the dugout, and then they were attempting to signal either to base runners or to hitters. Yeah, so if a robot whistled, they're all going to jail. But other than that, there's really not much they could do. Um, but this it cracks me up that they have so much analytics in baseball, and they have so much data, and you've had a guy go to prison over you know, stealing teams' internal data and stuff, and you've still got guys really angry when teams take their signs. It's like, why not get smarter and get better signs? Yeah, it does seem to... Uh... Like it would make a little bit more sense. Uh, so game four tonight, Masahara Tanaka on the mound for the Yankees, Zach Grinky on the mound for the Astros. In the playoffs, Grinky is 0 1. 
uh, I'm sorry, in this round of the playoffs, these two guys have faced each other already. Uh, Grinky lost that. He went six innings, gave up seven hits, struck out six, allowed a couple of home runs. Tanaka was really good. Six innings, just one hit allowed, four strikeouts and a walk. Did not give up a, uh, a home run in that ball game. A significant pitching matchup advantage here for Tanaka in your mind, Rippy? Probably with the way Grinky's pitched lately, but I still think it's more of an advantage to the Astros in the sense that they're not going to have to pitch anyone besides the, their three guys, even if Grinky hasn't been that good. But yeah, tonight probably, which they're going to need it because I think if they lose tonight, it's probably over. If the Yankees lose yeah. tonight? Yeah, because I'm not even sure it would go back to Houston if that were the case. Yeah, down down 3-1 is an awfully difficult road to climb. Well, with a team that good, it's not even necessarily the 3-1 versus what you're facing pitching-wise. I mean, sure, 3-1's not le- less than ideal, one might say, but like they're certainly capable of doing it, but I don't know if they're capable of doing it against the pitching they're going to face or would potentially face. If this game were to go seven, or I'm sorry, if this series were to go seven games, then today is the first of four consecutive ball games. They will play tonight in the Bronx. They will play game five tomorrow at Yankee Stadium. We'll jump on a plane late on Friday night, fly to Houston, have, you know, whatever, and then play on Saturday and then would potentially play on Sunday as well. And then the World Series starts on Tuesday. Yeah, I think that's a big deal, but not really a big deal. Like they do it all the time. It's kind of what they do during baseball season. Yeah, but most of the time you kind of get the getaway day where you play a day game and then fly home or fly to the next city, so you have a little more time. Like I guess <laughs> night game to night game is not that different, but it still is less time. Maybe more so for Houston than for for New York. If um, I've kind of found it amusing through the years, John Sterling, the Yankees radio broadcaster, constantly talks about. Oh, the Yankees are the one team that never get getaway day. Everybody wants that big gate, and so they play a night game with the Yankees, even on a Wednesday getaway day that most people play a noon game, and they leave the Yankees games at 7. So they do that all the time. But still, when the stakes are this high and the margin for error is so low, having to go in a playoff series, one, another, travel, another, another, with the World Series being the the end goal or the end game, yeah, probably no pre-travel beer drinking after this game when you go back to the other city like normal, but yeah. Yeah. Um, you look at some of the guys that have been good in this series. Uh, Bregman, Alex Bregman is just good. But the Yankees have a guy who, it, it he doesn't get top billing because you've got Aaron Judge and you've got John Carlos Stanton and lots of others. But Glaber Torres has been just phenomenal in the postseason. Yeah, he has. I mean, he's a good player. The Yankees are loaded. They are. I mean, we've talked about that throughout the course of the season. But to me, the thing that stands out most for the Yankees is not just the front-line guys, but kind of everybody they plugged in throughout the course of the year has made a difference. I mean, DJ LeMayhew has the best year of his career, former LSU player. And... Gio Urshela, who has not really done anything in the big leagues, has come in and has been a significant player. And then Brett Gardner, who's like 73 years old at this point, still contributing. Even Cam Mabin. Cameron Mabin. That's a nice pickup. Probably might not even. Oh, he'd have probably been in the bigs at some point this year, but was like not highly sought after. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a good point. Um, 
Trying to think if there's anything else that uh, stands out about this game. The uh, the Yankees are a favorite tonight, uh, minus one thirty on the money line, minus one and a half on the run line. The total for uh, this game in terms of runs is eight and a half. Maybe the fans will stand and cheer. Do you think that maybe the uh, the Astros were having to use whistle signals because they couldn't ha- they had no other way of communicating because it was such a raucous atmosphere on Tuesday afternoon? Uh, judging from that guy that sat in that section with no one standing up around him, he'd probably tell you no. Yeah. They probably couldn't do verbal cues because they didn't want the entire stadium to hear it. <laughs> At the same time, though, the people that like sit down the lines and like the people visible to your TV. Are always standing up and yelling. I wonder where that was. That where was that guy sitting? Like right behind. Probably him? right behind home plate. But it had to have been outside. Of, well, I guess it may not have been outside of camera view. But the people down the lines and in the outfield and stuff, they're always into it. Like, you know that that's overly. the the thing to me that's the biggest difference in this version of Yankee Stadium and the old Yankee Stadium. The all the seats behind home plate at the old place were full, and they were into the game. And this is so corporate. Now it's the bleacher seats where they're raucous, which they always have been, and then kind of outside like the the Wall Street boxes. It's a bad grade on the mystique meter. It's a bad grade on the mystique meter. Speaking of that. no mystique in the current Yankee Stadium. On that note, why are the Rangers building a new ballpark? I mean, the old one's great. Retractable roof. It's 7 million degrees in Dallas in the summer. Another point on that note, <laughs> since this game got rained out, how long until we are entirely playing baseball under roofed buildings, or at least buildings that can be roofed if need be? Oh, ah. Uh, Not happening. I would think there would be some places that still uh, never. Because, like, I mean, in Minnesota is one of the worst weather places in April, Ether, and they thought it would be a fantastic idea to build an outdoor-only stadium as a new ballpark, so... I mean, I think you, you got a while. If you don't have a roof at Coors Field in Denver, you don't have a roof in Minneapolis, you don't have a roof in Boston, you don't have a roof in New York, you don't have a roof in Chicago. Those are all places where it would make sense. I think history of baseball kind of wins out on that deal. I mean, they're not putting a roof on stadiums in California. Well, they don't need I mean, to I guess there. It, yeah, no, I mean, I guess it makes sense in a place like Houston or Dallas or Phoenix where it's, you know, next door to the sun in terms of heat. Game four tonight, Astros and Yankees. Back after this in the Renaissance Bank studio. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Check uh, check in on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. One of the best new phones is here, and C Spire is celebrating... A fully loaded deal. Buy the latest phone and get another one free, plus $100 off the newest wearable technology. Learn more at cspire.com. Cspire, customer inspired. I'll uh, give you a little testimony on Cspire. I, uh, I've had the iPhone 10, I don't know, 10 something for, I don't know, a little over a year, maybe a year and a half, and the face ID stopped working. So I took it to the Cspire store in Oxford. And Paul, who is uh, one of the technicians there, uh, fixed all the... Well, he couldn't fix the problems, but uh, they got me a new phone, got it all squared away and set up, and uh, really easy experience. So that's, uh, I hope, the experience that you will have as well, if you have any issues at all. really thinking about getting an iPad again. Like, I've gotten away altogether from the iPad because every time I think I'm going to use it, I don't. I was looking at it. iPad's come a long way. 
anyway, that is a bit of an aside. So, ceasefire text line. Uh, Steve O says, Borky, welcome to fatherhood. Not yet. Gotta, gotta get the little guy out first. Uh, Trent in Saltillo. I'm a state fan. You guys keep doing you. We're not good this year, so not a lot to talk about. Uh, Ed in Pontotoc. Is that state idiot listening to the same station as me? <laughs> Amanda from Pike County. I just listen for the daily LSU bashing. Y'all rarely disappoint. I don't think, Amanda, there's been a whole lot of LSU. There's not a lot to bash right now in the uh, the land of Mike the Tiger. I mean, unless you want to talk about basketball. There's plenty of fun little sidebars there. Uh, let's see. Paul in Greenville. Hope all goes well. Congrats, Bork. Um, let's see here. Lucas in Union sent us a picture of Buddy Stevens, the head coach of East Mississippi Community College, in a Mississippi State uh, shirt. Hey, Dad, he says, thoughts? I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. Hal and Starkville is... Uh, do what now? I don't see that happening. Mm, yeah, me either. Although Buddy would be fun in weekly press conferences. <laughs> what what do they call their uh, their weekly video? What is it called, Hey Dad? What video are you talking about? Is the it, State Highlight? It used to be called, what, Relentless or something like that? Oh, yeah, they, used to, they don't do that anymore, but yeah. He would have been great. Either that or they'd have had to censor it so much the video would have been like 45 seconds long. <laughs> a couple of game highlights and a high five. Man, we had a blast talking to Buddy last year He's when we best. were in, uh, in Senatoga. Hal in Starkville, is there a GoFundMe where we can contribute to Joe Mo's buyout? Hashtag less miles me, please. Oh, oh God, no. Come on. No. Less um, miles at Mississippi State? No. Well, based on the Send report earlier, somebody else might be funding that for you. Well, never mind that. I'm just saying less miles would not be the, a, a very good choice. Uh, send Joe to Rutgers and hire Joseph Brady. Okay, let's press pause there for a second. And, and let's not make this about Mississippi State. Because as we stand right now, Joe Moorhead is the coach and is going to be the coach at Mississippi State. Could things change? Of course they could. And are people talking about that? Sure they are, and that's why we're talking about it. But the idea of, I think he's 26, maybe 27, the passing game coordinator at LSU, who was, what, a quality control assistant with the Saints last year? He wasn't an actual assistant coach, was he? Uh, or, I think he was, yeah, some sort of analyst. Yeah. So, in a, a semi-assistant coach role for a couple of years in the NFL, obviously with Sean Payton and the Saints, and then a year as the passing game coordinator at LSU, he's not calling all the plays. He is going to be, this year and in years going forward, an exceptionally hot name in the college coaching world because of what LSU has done offensively this year. Uh, again, let's just take Joe Moorhead or Matt Luke or uh, Nick Saban or Jeremy Pruitt or whoever you want to out of the equation. Let, let's say there was a job opening in the SEC. Derek Mason, Vanderbilt, whatever. 
Would a fan base feel comfortable with taking a shot on a guy that's that young? An SEC fan base probably wouldn't. It just doesn't feel like there's enough experience there yet, does there? How, how old is Ryan Day? He's the youngest guy I can think of. He's been at it for a while, too. I mean, I know that, I'm, but I'm just asking, like, well, how old is he? Mm, if only, we, if only there was a machine device. for that. Yeah, I'm looking right Ryan now. Ryan Day is 40. Oh, he's 40. God, he's that young? I thought he's that, I'm sorry, he's that old? I thought he was younger than that. And, um, okay, I, I shorted Joe Brady. He's 30. He was born still. in 1989. How old is the coach of the uh, the Packers? And the, how old is Sean McVay? I mean... That, that this... Matt LaFleur with the Packers, is that right? Yeah. Uh, Matt LaFleur, head coach of the Packers, is 39. He's McVay 39. is 33. 33, but this is his what? Yeah, he was 30 when he got the job. So, sure. I mean, it's there, there's some precedent for it. If you feel, I would say this, that if you feel like you're going to hire, when you do the interview, if this is the right guy, you shouldn't let age be the uh, the determining factor because you might get lucky. And he's the coach for the next twenty years because you know he's young. Um, but that said, you know, with Brady, Brady is a Moorhead protege. I mean, he's he's from the coaching tree there. I can't think MSU would want to bring in another guy from that coaching tree. I think they would want to go a different way. Wait, what's his relationship to? He played at William and Mary. He was a GA at Penn State when Moorhead yeah, okay. was the OC there. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Got you. Um, George in West Point says he's got my back. Thanks, George. Jeff says, well, the Troy Trojans-South Alabama Jaguars game last night did not reach 55 points. Jeff, you're right, and I'm so angry at Michael Borky right now. No, it's not. It's not Borky. It was Spence and Brookhaven yep. who talked me off of laying the 17 and taking the over. It's not Spence's fault that I didn't have a strong enough backbone to stick with the original pick, laying the 17 and getting an easy cover. Instead, we were playing for points, and it ended on 50 instead of 55 and a half. Boo. Pat Mahomes on the uh, cover of Madden. We get the Madden curse strikes again. Paul, who is a dog fan, says the only way State wins Saturday, remember we alluded uh, out of the gate that we were going to talk about the uh, the way that Mississippi State could win against LSU. He says the only way State wins Saturday is to change the location of the game and not tell LSU where it is. Probably in the contract that it has to be in Starkville, but you know. Thomas in Greenwood says, so how much are beers going to cost at Ole Miss this weekend? Inquiring minds want to know, or does even asking make me a poor? No, Thomas. It doesn't. It's a reasonable question, and Borky has your answer. Yeah, it it's eight bucks, right? Eight dollars. Which for a sixteen ounce screw off top that will be poured into a cup. I did see a picture earlier though of a Coors Light truck and loading some kegs. This is speaking of that, this tweet just came out from Robert Munson. I don't know who that is, but LSU had a record day in concessions last Saturday. They sold fifty four thousand seven hundred and ninety four wow. beer or wine. Okay, they so 50, they sold more beer and wine than they sold water and soda. Fifty-four thousand times eight, 
That's $430,000 worth of beer for one football game. And I have it on good authority that the cost per pour is about a dollar. Oh, my gosh. Robert Munson is a LSU athletic director. He's a senior associate athletic director. You can back $54,000 out of that number that you gave Borky, and uh, you're looking at about a $380,000 profit. One game. And they didn't burn the stadium down. Amazing. Thomas says, ouch, so add another $96 to the cost of me attending a game. (laughs) I'll Um, hang out with Thomas. Yeah, to, to your point a second ago about kegs, so in all of the poor locations in the stadium, so anywhere there's a concession where you get beer inside the stadium, it will come from a standalone container where they're going to physically either pop the top or screw the lid off and pour it into a cup. There is going to be a filling station of sorts, uh, one of those kind of Airstream trailers that is like Coors Light branded that will be outside, I believe, the east side of the stadium, kind of where the elevators are over on the east side of the stadium, uh, where they will pour from taps in uh, in that spot. So not a can there. Um, got a bunch more to get to. Uh, a text message that says, still calling that Hugh Freeze ends up at Tennessee. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. A couple of college football games tonight. Lafayette is at Arkansas State, 6.30 kickoff in Jonesboro. UL is a six-point favorite in that game. That one could be fun. And then uh, ESPN... 8 o'clock tonight, UCLA at Stanford. Am I credit? I'm looking at this line at three and a half. Wasn't it at seven like a day or two ago? Didn't we look at that earlier in the week and see Stanford as a seven point favorite in that game? Maybe they lost another offensive lineman. They have, at this point, they're working towards having more out for the season offensive linemen than active offensive linemen. Hmm. Uh, and speaking like of four. UL, what kind of candidate should Billy Napier be in the upcoming coaching carousel? He's worth a look, for sure. Yeah. Done well at Louisiana, has a good pedigree, he was at Alabama, good recruiter. Yeah, I, I think his will be a name that uh, that you hear a lot about. I think Bill Clark's name is a name that uh, will be fairly prominent. A, a little surprised that Bill Clark's name wasn't more prominent last year. You know, he signed an extension at UAB. But, I mean, I mean, I'm not being ugly when I say this. It's just the truth, I mean, which kind of sounds like leading into saying something mean by saying bless her heart. But uh, an extension at UAB is not going to dissuade somebody in the SEC that wants to go hire a guy from hiring him. Uh, looks like four games tomorrow. Marshall is at FAU. Pittsburgh's at Syracuse. That one's on ESPN at 6. Ohio State is at Northwestern. And UNLV is at Fresno State tomorrow night as well. So all of those games are coming up. Dumb criminal news, and I like this. I like this one a lot. Uh, hey, Dad, it's too bad. Well, I mean, it's good that it's not the case. But this story could really have a lot of intrigue if it involved Mississippi State's dairy facility and its world-famous Eat'em Cheese, right? 
if if somebody stole MSU cheese, that would ruin about a hundred Christmases across the state. I understand. We'd have to find, we'd have to find that at place. least that many. Yeah, at least. After a Central Valley food plant, we're talking about uh, Central California, uncovered thieves had been pilfering their cheese for years. A months-long probe ended in the arrest of two men accused of running an operation to sell the product across the state, sometimes even going door-to-door. An investigation was opened on August 22nd after about $50,000 worth of cheese was stolen from the Laprino Foods Company plant in Lenmore, California. Laprino? Yeah, and the, I'll tell you why I know that. They were the uh, distributor for Papa John's for a long, long time. I'm very familiar with their product. There we go. Uh, Lemore, California, sits between Fresno and Bakersfield. It's the world's largest producer of mozzarella. Or mozzarella, if you prefer. I don't know how that came out of my mouth. Uh, what did mozzarella. You say? <laughs> mozzarella. <laughs> he got the mozzarella cheese. Uh, annual sales of more than $3 billion, according to Forbes. Yeah. And with the inside information, Hey Dad tells you that Papa John's at least used to be one of their big clients. Company officials estimated that their cheese has been targeted by thieves since 2017, but they didn't know who could be behind it. Police detectives determined the stolen product was being sold throughout Fresno, Tulare, Kings, and Riverside counties via social media, door-to-door salesmen, on the street, and various flea markets. After identifying multiple people involved in the sales operation, authorities served search warrants in Tulare and Kings counties, Evidence recovered, which included a large amount of stolen cheese, led police to identify 24-year-old Jairo Mariano Osorio Alvarez of Limor as a suspect. A lot of names there. After further investigation, detectives determined the cheese was coming from an inside source, Roderick Domingo Ransom, 34 years old of Limor, uh, Limor, works at the plant. Alvarez was booked on suspicion of being in possession of stolen property, Read cheese, while Ransom was being held on suspicion of grand theft and embezzlement. Authorities say they're continuing to investigate the long-running theft ring. Are we sure these were people or not 5,000 mice dressed up as people? I mean, they were running a cheese Ponzi scheme. They were selling it (laughs) door-to-door. The best part of this is the guy's last name is Ransom. A criminal (laughs) named Ransom. Could you imagine somebody knocking on your door, trying to sell you a block of cheese? Was it blocks, or was it already shredded? I don't know. I have no idea how they had it, but... Wouldn't you assume they're trying to poison you? Yeah. (laughs) Who's buying cheese from a door-to-door salesman? (laughs) I've heard of door-to-door meat meat sales. Meat sales happens, but not not cheese. He used to have the Schwann man that would ride around and sell frozen things. Uh, how long would it take to smuggle $50,000 worth of cheese it out of a factory? Well, it depends on the month. It. That can only be three cases sometimes. Gosh, those were the days. And, I mean, honestly, is there really enough profit margin in this to justify going to jail? I mean, 50 grand Uh-oh. spread out Uh-oh. over three years? Stick to we're sports, talking- Richard. He showed up. Only five minutes. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. 
Go to Mississippi Land Bank's website, mslandbank.com, for a chance to uh, win for your child the hunt of a lifetime. All you got to do is right there on the homepage, click on the link for Hunt of a Lifetime, fill out your name and your contact information, put your child's name in there between the ages of 5 and 16. One lucky winner at the end of the month is going to be selected to receive a lifetime Mississippi sportsman's license. You never have to buy a hunting license again. And uh, get to uh, choose between a, uh, a fully paid, fully funded, fully outfitted duck hunt or a quail hunt, the duck hunt in Tunica, the quail hunt in West Point, or a uh, really cool prize package. It's all, got all kinds of gear and clothing and hunting accessories and whatnot in it. All you got to do is go to the website, mslandbank.com, for your chance to enter to win for your child the hunt of a lifetime, all courtesy of Mississippi Land Bank. mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Maybe not the greatest. It, it Stop me if you've heard this before. Not the greatest slate of football games this weekend in the SEC, but it's not terrible. If you look around the country, it's just kind of kind of a so-so weekend. We do not have a lot of top twenty-five matchups. In fact, if I'm looking at this correctly, there are only three. Two of them involve the Pac-12. One involves the Big Ten. Get started tomorrow night in terms of ranked teams. Ohio State at Northwestern. Ohio State's a 28-point favorite. At first glance, that number feels like it's not big enough. But as bad as Northwestern has been this year, defensively, they're pretty good. But they are inept on the offensive side of the ball. And they had Wisconsin on the ropes. Really on the ropes. And that was in Madison, if I remember correctly. It was, yeah. What was that, like a 13-7 to game or something? Something like that, and Wisconsin scored on a defensive touchdown, if I remember correctly, and then that kind of sealed the deal. Yeah, 24-15 ended up being the final. That was a loss. That was in Madison. But uh, certainly more low scoring than you would have expected. Uh, Clemson is at Louisville. That's at 11 on Saturday morning. Clemson's a 24-point favorite. Oklahoma, 33.5-point favorite at home against West Virginia. Wisconsin's a 31-point favorite at Illinois. Florida, a five-point favorite against South Carolina in Columbia at Willie B. Stadium. Um, What do you guys think about this game? I know we'll get into our picks tomorrow. We're going to talk with Lee Sterling coming up uh, about 10 or so minutes from right now. We'll ask him about it as well. Number 9, Florida, coming off the loss to uh, LSU where they put 28 on the board. Five-point favorite at South Carolina. Feels like a, a letdown game a little bit, but for both teams, you know, LSU coming off, I'm sorry, Florida coming off that loss to LSU, you'd think they'd want to be in bounce back mode, but sometimes the loss can linger. And then with USC, are they going to be, you know, too high from the, uh, the Georgia game? Can they get, you know, get back and refocus? So I think it's going to be a sloppy, ugly football game. Forecast in Columbia too, yeah. is for rain and 66 degrees. Yeah. Auburn is at Arkansas. Arkansas playing a home game in Fayetteville. It's not happening very often this year. This is the uh, second of three, is that right? No, it's more than that. Maybe it's the, well, whatever. Not a great home schedule this year for the Arkansas Razorbacks. Purdue is at Iowa. Iowa's a big favorite in that game. LSU 18.5 point favorite against Mississippi State in Starkville. Forecast 74 degrees 
and partly sunny, mostly sunny, partly cloudy. Glass half full, glass half empty. Well, well partly cloudy, I, considering. You know. Ideal weather day. Mid-October, mid-70s, some sunshine. What's the crowd going to be like on Saturday? Hey, Dad? That's a really good question. Um, What's your gut? I, th- I think they'll be around... 50,000 or so, but I don't know that 10 to 12,000 of that won't be LSU fans. Top 25 matchup in Seattle. 56 degrees and rain for a 2.30 kickoff between number 12, Oregon, 5-1, and and number 25, Washington, 5-2. and Oregon is a three-point favorite on the road in this game. I saw, and of course it's an anonymous scout, but the uh, anonymous scout season's already started, and one of them said Justin Herbert's going to get somebody fired. Meaning he's good enough and he's going to go on the road and beat somebody? No, meaning that Justin Herbert is going to, air quotes, trick an NFL team into drafting him high and then be a bust. Oh, oh, that, that, that kind of fired. That kind of fired. SMU is still undefeated. They're 6-0 and this year. They're a 7.5-point favorite at home against Temple, a Temple team that beat Memphis last week and gave the Memphis Tigers their first loss of the season. Number 20, Minnesota, also undefeated on the year. They are rowing the boat in Minneapolis, headed to Piscataway to take on 1-5 Rutgers. Tulsa is at number 21, Cincinnati. Only loss for the Bearcats this year to Ohio State back in week... Three week maybe it was week two. It was week two. Um, Appalachian State is undefeated on the year. They are five and zero and are now in the top twenty-five. They're hosting ULM this weekend in Boone, North Carolina. Fifteen-point favorite. Baylor is at Oklahoma State. What do you think about this one? Oklahoma State's four and two on the year. They are a four-point favorite at home. Baylor is undefeated under Matt Rule, off to a 6-0 and start, and they've climbed all the way to number 18 in the country. They're a perfect example of just go hire a football coach that you know yep. can win. Don't get cute hire. with it. Don't look for the coaching tree. Just go hire a guy that you know has won football games and can win football games. They gave him it's... time. They had patience. And now look at what's happening. Matt Rule, a guy that has won football games is now winning football games again. It seems like a simple formula that so many people get wrong. How much longer is he at Baylor? And, and I don't mean leaving for another job. I'm talking about leaving for the NFL. Oh, you think he's an NFL guy? Well, I mean, his name has come up with NFL openings over the last couple of years. The first college coach I would put in the NFL right now is Lincoln Riley. and He's agreed. going to Dallas, and that is going yeah. to happen next year. I think that's going to happen. and then Not if the Cowboys I, make the playoffs. At this rate, are so, they? So next year, no, right? That's what you're trying are, to say. But like, that's going to get screwed that whole thing up. It would. Would Matt Rule be a candidate at Oklahoma? Then that would be interesting. Um, Ooh, I don't know. I had Justin Fuente penciled into Oklahoma a few years back, and that didn't work out. So he might not be completely safe at where he is now. Every that's what I'm so. saying. Now it it went away uh, pretty quick there. Mizzou is at Vandy. Mizzou five and one, two and zero oh in the SEC beginning their sojourn on the road in the SEC East to Nashville and then to Lexington. It's like there's a pretty good chance Mizzou gets to 7-1 and one over the next couple of weeks. They're a 21-point favorite in Nashville. 
Tickets as low as $3. They give you $3 to come? That's how that works? That seems pretty low. Yeah. I would, I'd want at least 20 bucks to have to watch that. Kentucky is at Georgia. Rain expected for a 5 o'clock kickoff on ESPN, low 60s. Georgia, 25-point favorite at home against the Kentucky Wildcats, trying to bounce back from last weekend's loss to South Carolina. Another ranked versus ranked matchup in the Pac-12. This one could be fun. 5-1 and one Arizona State, 17th in the country. At 5-1 and one and 13th ranked Utah. Utah is a 13.5-point favorite in this game. Why? That's a good question. Utah's only lost this season uh, Friday night game on the road against uh, Southern Cal. Um, Arizona State's only lost this year 34-31 to Colorado back in week four. They are coming off a 38-34 win over Washington State. Washington State in a bit of a tailspin. Kansas is at Texas. Texas is a 21-point favorite over the Fighting West Miles. Top 15, top 16 matchup in the Big Ten. This game's on ABC at 6.30. The whiteout game in Happy Valley. Penn State a nine-point favorite at home against Michigan. Some of the buzz around Michigan, like the, the negative buzz, has died down in the last couple of weeks. It's about to crank back up. Middle Tennessee was the opener. That was a win. Army nearly a loss, but they won it 24-21. Got smoked by Wisconsin, but since then have beaten Rutgers 52 to nothing, Iowa 10 to 3, Illinois 42 to 25. And now they play their um, first difficult opponent since Wisconsin. Colin Coward said that Michigan is 1-19 under Harbaugh as underdogs. Well, they are decidedly an underdog in this game. Bama's a 34.5-point favorite against Tennessee, and Boise State is a 7-point favorite on the road against BYU. Late game in Provo on Saturday night, 9-15 kickoff on ESPN2. Lee Sterling coming off a 4-0 and week last week in the picks that he made here on Sports Talk Mississippi. Our buddy from Paramount Sports will join us next in the Renaissance Bank studio on the Farm Bureau phone line. You go to the website ParamountSports.com and you see the headline, Autumn Annihilator. The Autumn Annihilator is 12 carefully selected games for Saturday and Sunday of this weekend, and you can get it for just 100 bucks. 100 smackaroos. Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports on your radio right now. Lee, I got a question for you. Sure. So when you see a game where the line is fishy, mm-hmm. it just doesn't really make sense. And I'm talking specifically about last Friday night's game where Miami was a two-point favorite against Virginia. Yep. And on the surface level, it just didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. Right. And we talked about that on the air. And then you go out and you watch it, and Miami wins, and they cover, and all that good stuff. Do you just stay away from a game like that, or do you allow your gut to, or your, your research to take you the way you believe? 
Okay, so good case in point, Miami the last two weeks. Okay. So here's what I do on Sunday afternoon as I'm watching the late games, usually about halftime, I start putting in, I, I, I redo my power ratings every single week. And I'm usually, when a game's under 20 points, I'm within a half a point to a point almost every single game. After you've been doing this for so many years, it's pretty easy to do. And then, uh, so what I do is, I can find, when I do that, I might have one or two games that are off. Usually, let's say there's two, one will be an injury I just didn't hear about to a pretty key player. Might be, like, let's say Southern Miss against Louisiana Tech, starting quarterbacks out for a team. And I'm like, okay. The other game, two weeks ago, I'm like, okay, Miami should not be a 14-point favorite over Virginia Tech. And... Maybe because I've done this so long, I said to myself, okay, I think they just are overvaluing Miami on this in this situation, undervaluing Virginia Tech. And the public isn't going to know the series and know Virginia Tech. After a bad game, they're going to come. I mean, they're going to bring it. So I played Virginia Tech. Last week, and I don't think much of Miami, their offensive line is putrid, maybe the worst offensive line in Division One football. But I just felt that that line was off. I felt that they were begging you to play Virginia, so I played Miami. So it worked out well for me in those two instances. Once in a while I get fooled, but I can usually tell you whether it's a trap line or the line is off. Fair enough. Okay. I was just, just kind of curious. Because, you know, as we looked at that, everything in the world pointed to Virginia winning right. that game, and they were getting points. But then you look yeah. at it unfold, and obviously Miami wins the game, and uh, you're reminded that um, those guys uh, that set the lines in the desert are pretty good. Usually, unless it's like real lower-level teams, like uh, like Louisiana Lafayette against Arkansas State, those kind of games are lines off. A lot of times, I'll lay off. But if I know the teams, I know the personnel, and I know how coaches prepare, then I I feel I can figure out whether it's off or it's a trap line. All right, let's jump into the games this week. Florida goes to Columbia, South Carolina. Gators coming off the loss to LSU. South Carolina coming off the uh, overtime win against Georgia uh, by a field goal in a weird game. Florida's favorite here. Is this a bounce-back week for the Gators, or does South Carolina keep it rolling? I think Florida bounces back here. I just think that South Carolina won mainly last week. Now they played hard, give the defense credit, but they were plus four in turnover advantage. Georgia was awful. How many times... Well, you have 30 first downs and only 17 points. Maybe you'll see two or three instances like that a year in college football. Florida defense, 20 turnovers in the first six games, did not get a turnover. That's probably why they lost. Helensky, you know, he goes down in this game. They're, they're, against Florida, they'll be done. I just think that Florida will come after him. Um, they will not play for the pass. They'll play for the run. And the Gators, strange enough, had an 84-48 play advantage last week and led 28-21, but uh, uh, they lost the game. But the defense is rested, only playing 48 snaps last week. And Mullen, 4-0 against the spread as a road favor. Give me Florida, 27-16. 27-16, so not particularly close. An 11-point win for the Gators on the road. Let's go to Starkville. LSU... Uh, a big favorite against Mississippi State. It, the line's bounced around a little bit. I think you've got it at 19, seen it at 18 and a half as right. well. Uh, what's your thought on this one, Mississippi State coming off the, the tough road loss against Tennessee and LSU obviously continuing to roll? Well, normally I'd look at a team like Mississippi State here. Here's the problem. They played one decent offense in Auburn and gave up 56 points here. And the offense is getting worse by the week. I just think they're getting exposed. And, and teams like 
Ole Miss and teams like Tennessee generally, when they play good teams, you know, they've, they've got so much film on these teams and they know how to exploit them. Mississippi State defense allowed Tennessee's offense to gain 6.1 yards per play with a true freshman quarterback. I mean, just, just think what Joe Burrow's going to do here. He's completing a mind-numbing 80% of his passes. I think Moorhead's on the hot seat, even though it's been two years. What do you think, one more year if it continues like this? Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting kind of seeing his name popping up in, in some different stories, potentially as a target for Rutgers. And I think that's interest that Rutgers has in him, not necessarily the other way around. Right. But, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think you can continue at this level, uh, at least not in perpetuity. I, I think he's got to decide on a quarterback and run with it. I, I like LSU pretty big here, 45-21. 45-21 LSU over Mississippi State. Texas A&M is in Oxford. This is a series where the games have been relatively close. Texas A&M, a little bit of an enigma at 3-3. Three and three. They've lost to the three good teams that they've played, all three of those teams' top ten teams. They've won against the bad teams that they've played, and I'm not sure where Ole Miss falls, probably somewhere uh, in the middle. A&M, a six, six-and-a-half-point favorite in Oxford. I would be tempted to take Ole Miss here if they were getting more than a touchdown, but that's not the case. Texas A&M has faced two number one teams in the regular season this year, which is interesting. Doesn't happen often. They only had a 59-yard deficit versus Alabama. Ole Miss was was, was similar to that also in that game. But I'm just surprised that Ole Miss hasn't played Plumlee exclusively. I think he gives them a better chance to win also the loss of one of their top defensive players, a linebacker hurts here. And, uh, uh, you know, when you lose a guy that has over 100 tackles, that's a lot. Uh, I like A&M here. 37-27. 37-27. So a 10-point win for A&M yep. and Oxford on Saturday. And then Georgia, big favorite against Kentucky. Georgia got to try and bounce back. Kentucky uh, had some success with Lynn Bowden playing quarterback last week, but we're talking about a receiver playing quarterback in the SEC against a Georgia team that i got to believe is going to be mad. I don't know if that matters for anything, but you would think that's the case. I don't – I think. well, obviously with Bowden playing receiver, they're a much better team. But I just don't think that Georgia is great. I think they're really good. Their wide receiver position, if you can only really run the ball well, now they've got receivers at wide receiver position. I think that's a big problem here. Maybe Georgia isn't that good. I know they need style points to get back into it. But uh, last week uh, in Kentucky's win over Arkansas, 66 of the seven uh, offensive plays and 57 for Arkansas. Not a lot of plays. Kentucky's going to slow it down. And you slow it down, you run less plays, greater chance for the underdog, especially 25 points. I think Georgia wins 38-17, but I think uh, Kentucky's going to cover here. Okay. Last week, Lee went 4-0 on his picks uh, here on Sports Talk Mississippi, trying to have another big week. So he's got Florida covering, Kentucky covering as an underdog, Texas A&M winning by 10 in Oxford, and LSU winning big in Starkville. So what's happening at Paramount Sports right now? Well, you said it's the, it's the Autumn Annihilator, 12 games combined Saturday and Sunday, and I'm so sure I'm going to win if I don't have a winning Saturday and Sunday in these 12 games. That means going 7-5 or better. You're going to get the rest of October for me, on me, and um, so uh, Autumn Annihilator, just 100 bucks at ParamountSports.com. Game of the week, we have an Auburn-Arkansas game. Got these teams, I think, figured out pretty well, too. Had Arkansas plus the points last week, and, and they covered. So uh, you want to get that game for free, call 
888-900-9741. So two ways to get involved and check me out. Also got a bunch of free pick videos, a lot of other big games going on around the country. So let's say you want to see me, uh, my prediction on the Oregon-Washington game or the Penn State-Michigan game, or get a free email. We're 6-1. and one. We email a free selection to people every single Friday night. Fill out where it says free pick sign up on the homepage. Get a free game email to you each and every Friday night. We're 6-1 and one on those games. So ParamountSports.com or 800-400-9741. Lee, 30 seconds left. Give me a game yeah. that's off the radar this week that yeah. you like. Oklahoma State. I'm going to give you one of the games that I'm personally playing, one of my strongest plays. Oklahoma State, this is here, – here's something, too. Whenever you see a team that's favored – against a ranked team, and usually something's going on. Oklahoma State, four times in the last decade, has been a home underdog against a ranked team. They've won all four games. I think Baylor is crippled at quarterback. They lost their best defensive player or linebacker. Their quarterback is maybe 70 75%. I think Oklahoma State might might even boat race them here. Went by 30, 40 points. Wow. We uh, We will see how that one shakes out. High hopes for the mullet in uh, in Stillwater on uh, on Saturday. Some things never change. His look, huh? That's right. That's right. Lee, thanks for your time, man. Good visiting okay. with you. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. See you. That is Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. He took Florida, Kentucky, A&M, and LSU. Sports Talk Mississippi on this Thursday afternoon. Glad to have you along, Richard Cross. Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, Michael Borky. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, you can find them at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. We've been giving tickets away each day this week. Let's do it again. A pair of Jason Aldean tickets. And... (laughs) We're gonna we're gonna give you the phone number for you to call. This is Michael Borky's fact. He loves answering the phones. Today we are looking for caller number. How big a number do you want me to go, Borky? Like in the forties? Don't don't do that. I, I can't keep up with forty. Like anything higher than fifteen would be a pain in the you know what. I hear you. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to be a pain in the you-know-what for Michael Borky, but only by a couple. Tomorrow is October 18th. Michael told us earlier that uh, 8 is a special number, his wedding anniversary, his wife's birthday, and now 18 is the day for Michael Borky's son to arrive. So, if you want a chance to win, uh, or if you want to win a pair of tickets to Jason Aldean, March 7th in Tupelo, be caller number 18. The number is 888. You're such a jerk. <laughs> you thought I was going to call number 8, didn't <laughs> <Yes>. you? <laughs> because the 8 one's already come in. 18 888 808-8637-888-808-8637 for your chance to win a pair of tickets Caller number 18, go. 
October is National Pork Month. Celebrate with your favorite pork recipe. Enjoy the tastiest month ever and find inspiring recipes at pork.org slash cooking. What's like uh, pork. what's your favorite pork recipe there, hey, Dad? Uh, I like to cook a, a big pork loin on the grill. I have my own rub for it and everything. You rub your pork? Yes, I, I have been known to rub my pork. Oh, hold on. Okay, I didn't know if the microphone caught that or not. I caught him. Yeah. Once again, Rippy is is messing around with the microphones. I don't know why, but yeah, go figure. So, but what's your I favorite like all- pork recipe, Rippy? I don't know the kind that comes on a bun with barbecue sauce. There you go. Some might call that pulled pork. Yes. What's the? Huh? What are the other distinguished ways to consume pork? The, the, the best it. pork recipe is just to buy some bacon, put it in a skillet, and let it fry up. Wait, what? Bacon? It's pork. Bacon. It's pork. It's made from pig. 100%. 100% of the time, no, unless you get no like turkey fillers. bacon. Well, who, What's that's your favorite really way, hey, Dad? I just said I like to... I he like just to, told you. He likes loin. to rub down man, a pork I, loin and put it on the grill. I, I, much like the guys in Office Space with Michael Bolton, I celebrate pork's whole catalog. Uh, I just uh, sausage, pork chops, pork loin, pulled pork. I'll eat it all. Do you mix pork and sausage? Oh yeah. Those are pork. They're the and same thing. Sausage yeah. are the same thing. Yeah, I've had, like I've had a sausage, sausage stuffed. I've had a sausage stuffed pork loin in my life. Wait, you stuffed pork? <laughs> stuffed pork with pork. Double pork action. There you go. Catch the JT Show tomorrow at Shaggy's on the Ross Barnett Reservoirs. He broadcasts from the Bass Tactics Mississippi High School National Qualifying Bass Tournament. Mouthful. High school anglers from around the state will be competing for the right to represent their schools at the National Bass Fishing Tournament. Bass fishing is the fastest growing high school team sport in the state. JT will be on hand to talk to a number of young high school bass fishermen and bass tactics officials as well. Sponsored by Warren & Warren Asphalt and Ramey's Food Stores. Borky, where are you on the uh, call log? So we have gotten to caller number 18. Our phone lines right. are still completely full. It, it's amazing. Just, you know, you offer up tickets and people want to call me. Uh, Jessica Carwile and Amory. Jessica, congratulations. Yes, sir. And so I hate to say it, but uh, I'm going to disconnect all the phones right now. So all right, so I, we I just hung up the... on seven people. But that's okay because Jessica won the tickets. There you go. So Jessica won the tickets from Amory. Yesterday we gave tickets away to somebody in Hurley. And on Tuesday we gave tickets away to uh, someone in Grenada. Yes, sir. So pulling from all over the uh, state of Mississippi for the Jason Aldine concert coming up. March 7th in Tupelo. Um, mentioned this at the top of the show. And we actually talked about it a couple of weeks ago. The name image likeness debate is taking a, a, another step forward. And it's taking a step forward at the federal level. California led the way. New York's got a bill. South Carolina's got a bill. Florida's got a bill. Everybody's got a bill. I'm sure there's been discussion about Mississippi rolling out a name, image, and likeness bill as well. California is the only one that has been ratified and put into motion at this point. But 
this legislation could be taken away from the states if Senator Mitt Romney from Utah has his way. Said Wednesday that national legislation is on the way. Romney reassured student-athletes that Congress was going to act to help them despite resistance to state legislation from the NCAA. Current NCAA rules forbid student-athletes from profiting off their name, image, or likeness in order to maintain eligibility as an amateur. Here's what Romney said to the News and Observer. You know something is seriously awry. The reality is Congress is going to act. We're coming for you. We're coming to help these athletes. Romney's comments came at a roundtable with former Duke standout and current ESPN analyst Jay Billis and Representative Mark Walker from North Carolina, who introduced a federal statute that would apply across every state. Walker's Student Equity Act would bring above-board payments for name, image, and likeness to college athletes at the national level. Quote from Walker, All we're saying is allow these student athletes to have access to the free market like every other citizen does adding that the NCAA has refused to come to the table with lawmakers. Walker's bill introduced last spring would amend the definition of a qualified amateur sports organization in the tax code to remove the restriction of student-athletes using or being compensated for their name, image, and likeness. The most interesting line in that story to me is that the NCAA has refused to engage with lawmakers. I understand on the state level the NCAA can't go send representatives to California, New York, Nebraska, Michigan, Florida, Louisiana, Arkansas, North Carolina, South Carolina, Mississippi, etc. But for people at the NCAA not to look at this and go, okay, change is coming. And we want to be a part of a solution that is equitable for everyone, our member institutions, our student-athletes, everyone. We want a seat at the table in this. Let's work with lawmakers. Let's figure out where the potential stumbling blocks are. Let's try to examine what the unintended consequences might be and put together a bill that is really well-intended for everybody. How in the world is the NCAA not engaging with lawmakers on this? And and, and here, here's the crazy thing. Mitt Romney's a Republican. Mark Walker's a Republican. This bill got unanimous support in the Colorado or the California General Assembly. Unanimous means everybody voted for it. Republicans and Democrats. And despite what you may think of the state of California, there are actually a lot of Republicans and Republican lawmakers in the state of California. Because of the big cities in California, it has the reputation of being all liberal all the time. That's just not the case. There are lots of rural areas in the state of California that lean more to the right. And so you've got both sides of the aisle agreeing on something and pushing forward on this? How does the NCAA not look at this and go, you know what? If we're not part of this, we're just going to get left behind and we're going to be force-fed whatever they decide to come up with. 
the arrogance is kind of crazy to me. Because as you mentioned, it shouldn't be though, right? It shouldn't uh, be surprising. True, but if you don't, self included in that statement, if you don't think a, a slightly motivated Mitt Romney can bury the NCAA, if they're so arrogant they think that he won't do that, they've got another thing coming. I mean, yeah, people make jokes about him now, and he didn't win president, whatever. That dude's a powerful and brilliant man. If he wants to bury the NCAA, he he will. He'll make sure it happens. Not engaging with him is a huge mistake. Did you say moral areas in California? I said rural. <laughs> rural. Country. Out in the sticks. There are lots of out in the sticks nice. areas in California. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. So is your fake Twitter account still rolling? I don't know. It doesn't interact with me. What was the name of it? Uh, Brian Squat Rippy. And it was at Rippy Dippy Doo. Well, we had a device. Last well, tweeted on September 6th. I think my conspiracy was correct. Because, unfortunately, for TeleSouth, Cammie moved to Florida with her husband and shortly thereafter, Rippy Dippy Doo disappeared. Don't Hasn't tweeted at he's us gonna, since. I'm just he's, saying. He's going to tweet today. I, I, I guarantee it. It updated its bio. I love Pringles in the Civil War. <laughs> I enjoy golf shirts with zippers, and that's really it. I love Pringles and the Civil War. And to be fair, I don't love the Civil War. Like It's probably been a pretty fair thing if that didn't happen, but like, <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> I find it interesting. R- Rippy loves bloodshed. He yeah, loves it. I, I, that that's political strife. In my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> but also wasn't around for it. You, you enjoy the history of the Civil War. I find it interesting. I guess. Yeah. Yes. Reading about, studying, and whatnot. Look at that! Somebody just sent us a picture of a bacon wrapped sausage stuffed pork loin, buddy. Looks great. You probably get a heart attack when you touch it. Oh, if you look at it long enough, to be honest with you. It's like a nuclear explosion, the epicenter of it. You look at it and you just keel over. Or the Ark of the Covenant, one or the other. Yeah. Um, Gavin says, Good grief, my head is exploding. Talking about Mitt Romney, he goes, He's here to help the athletes. How noble. The NCAA has weighed in. They don't think it is a good idea. Well, that settles it. That's from Gavin in Starkville. Um, uh, what could be... See, I've seen people say something like this before, that, oh, well, the politicians just have an ulterior motive. What could that be? See, I think it's nothing more than just, like, winning a press conference and having a check in the positive column where you helped these uh, underprivileged athletes. Because there's no money for them to gain by doing this, right? Or am I missing something? Who? Politicians? The politicians. What what does Mitt Romney gain from doing this other than a, a nice press release? That's it. I mean, those guys are all looking for a win. I don't yeah. know if you've noticed this or not, but elected officials are not the most popular people on the planet these days. Of course, but or honest, the, the people call into question like their nobility and and that as well. But I mean, if something good comes out of them wanting to get a nice press release, then so what? Who cares if they're 
motives aren't exactly pure. If the result is a good thing for people who need some help, then who cares? Right? Yeah. Basically okay with that. And and we got the, the question that, that always pops up, you know, what's going to keep the, the really big schools with lots of money and lots of boosters and lots of business owners out there from getting all the recruits because they have more money. It'd be a real I mean, shame. Schools like SEC. Alabama, Texas, Oklahoma, schools like that. Ohio State. Ohio State, yeah. yeah. It would be a real shame if the SEC West lost parity. Nobody wants that. Wait. But the division race has been so exciting for the last 10 years. No. It has. That LSU almost scored last year. <laughs> this year. This is the first year it's finally going to happen for them. We owe you a Pearl River Resort pick of the day. It's brought to you by the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. Philadelphia. It's worth making a trip. We'll have our uh, Pearl River Resort picks of the week coming your way tomorrow when we pick all of our college football games against the spread. And we'll be there a week uh, from today. Ooh, that's right. It's been a while since we've been. Yeah. Because we were there right before the season began, and so we're right, doing yeah. this kind of once a month throughout football season. So that kind of took up our September, and then we wanted to get deep into October. So next Thursday, we will be at uh, Pearl River Resort. We will be at the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. That will be a lot of fun. Um, I'll bring my kid. <laughs> You're not allowed to wager your kid. You have to have actual money. Well, just his future. NFL game tonight, Chiefs at Broncos. Kansas City is a three-point favorite on the road. They're coming off a loss at home on Sunday night football to the Colts. Broncos coming off a 16-0 win over the Tennessee Titans. Mahomes banged up. Is that injury news coming out today to scare people away from the Chiefs as a three-point favorite? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I guess we'll see tonight because the, the report came out that this week they like it's even worse than it was going into the, the Texans game. Well, I mean, it would make sense. Not, I'm not saying that's the reason, but like you played Sunday, he was hurt, and then you have what three days to recover as opposed to a full week. The Broncos got pretty good defense. They have a really good defense and an elite quarterback. Would you? Uh, well, maybe not nice. that. Would uh, would you think I was crazy if I uh, took the points for the Broncos at home? Not at all. No. Are we, and watch, we Mahomes is going to throw for five hundred now. But yeah, you're not crazy at all. Let's uh, let's take the three points and uh, see how it goes in Mile High Salute Land. Broncos plus the three at home tonight. That's your sports book uh, at Timeout Lounge, Pearl River Resort pick of the day. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Time for the college football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive the F-150, the best-selling truck in America, for the last 42 years today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. A guy that we have not talked to since this summer at uh, SEC Media Days from TexAgs.com. Billy Lucci on your radio right now on the Farm Bureau phone line. Billy, what's up, man? Not much. It's been too long. It has been too long. Good to hear from you. Hey, help me make sense of Texas A&M this year. Three and three, 
Their three losses are all to top eight teams, two of them number one in the country when they played them. Um, and then their three wins are against pretty average to bad teams so far this yeah. season. What am I supposed to believe about the Aggies coming into this matchup with Ole Miss? Man, that's a really good question. I wish I wish you had the answer because a lot of Aggies would be happy with me if I could provide it right now. But man, that this team is tough. It's tough to to pin down because on the one hand, yeah, they've lost to some tough teams. Two of those have been relatively one sided. <clears throat> really, all three of them have, but. You saw them getting better against Bama with the exception of, of the punt team. Right? That killed them. They had a blocked punt and, and gave up like 150 yards on four returns to Jalen Waddle, and that was really the difference. I mean, not saying them wins that game without it, but that's a really competitive football game if you just discount what they did on the punt team, which was weird because They've got one of the best punters in college football history, and, and he had an off day, and the coverage units were terrible, and Jalen Waddle's really good, and it was kind of a perfect storm. But I think they looked on offense like they'd gotten better in that game. They've been decent on defense all year. Mm-hmm. But to be honest with you, they hadn't played anybody like Ole Miss, Mississippi State, South Carolina, who they're going to play moving forward. I think they played three teams noticeably better than Georgia, if you ask me as well. My point is, kind of going along with your question, they hadn't played anybody like them yet. Like you same weight I'm class. Saying? If you're lumping the SEC team, they haven't played anybody in their in their. You know, if you're going one to ten, they hadn't played anybody within a point or two of them on the scale. So it's it's really tough to gauge. You know what they look like? Um, they look like a team that lost 10 guys to the NFL that starts one senior out of 22. I mean, it's, it's a tough transition, so they'll play really good for a quarter. Then they won't. They'll make a great play. They'll make a bad play. They, there's just been no real level of uh, of consistency to what they're doing. It's almost like this is a team that's still trying to figure out who its leaders are and a team that's trying to figure out what its identity is. I, I think they're a year away, but you just wonder if they could at least figure out what it is they do well and, and ride that for the second half of the season. We're going to find out starting Saturday. Billy Lucci from Texags on your radio right now. I, I'm curious, this this series between Ole Miss and A&M, uh, it's kind of been a fun one since the uh, the Aggies joined the SEC. It was two years in Oxford to start it. It was two uh, games where Johnny Manziel put A&M on his back and kind of willed them to a win. Ole Miss yeah. has gotten a couple of wins in College Station. Um, we, we had some fun you know, a few years back with Gabe uh, after the whole trash programs thing, talking about Ole Miss and Mississippi State. So going into this game, where, to your point just a second ago, these are teams that are kind of in the same weight class. What's the what's the expectation from Aggies fans for this Saturday night? Hmm. <clears throat> I think the expectation for this Saturday night, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of uh, apprehension on the part of A&M fans because I just don't think there's a lot. I, I think... For the most part, everybody's really comfortable with where this thing's headed. 
Yeah. But I don't think there's a lot of confidence in this team right now and their ability uh, to do a whole lot. So, but on, on the flip side, I don't think people have paid maybe close enough attention to what Ole Miss has done the last few weeks. You know, I, I know they they lost to Missouri. I know they lost to Bama, but <clears throat> to see that the Rebels have kind of found an identity, you know, with Plumlee and what they're doing offensively, and to realize what a tough game this is going to be for A&M coming off of that Bama loss and going on the road for a night game. I mean, this is a this is a really tough test if you're Jimbo Fisher to have your team ready for this one and to go out and win this football game. Uh, and I think, you know, the people inside the program understand how tough it's going to be. If you're asking Aggies, I think it, it's because of where they want to see this program go. I think their thought right now, sorry, Reveille over here. Their thought right now is that A&M should be beating the Mississippi schools most years. And I don't disagree from the standpoint, if you want to be a top, if your goal is for A&M right now to be a top 10 program in college football, and where Ole Miss and Mississippi State are after losing Dan Mullen and Hugh Freeze, yeah, if A&M was where you want them to get right now, then last year and the next couple of years, you should look at those teams and say, yeah, A&M should be beating them. But the thing is, the Aggies are not where you want them to be right now. Mm-hmm. That's, they're not where, where ultimately what you hired Jimbo Fisher to get you to that spot. They're not there yet. And that's not to say Ole Miss and Mississippi State can't get back there. But if this was the top 10 Texas A&M, then yeah, they go beat Ole Miss and Mississippi State, and they've done, they would have done it the last couple years. And I know A and M's looking for their third straight win over Ole Miss, but the reality is, you know, A and M's not yet where they want to be under Jimbo Fisher or, or under anyone, and they haven't been there. And in fact, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, with the exception of 2012, are the two that have been closer since the Aggies joined the SEC. So. I think it's heading in the right direction. I love what Jimbo's doing on the recruiting front. I love what his team showed last year when he was able to play the kind of ball he wanted to play offensively. Um, and, and Mike Elko had a, a unit that was better equipped at stopping the run. So they ran the ball. They stopped the run. They, you know, they, they were timely big plays on offense. I, I see what it could look like. That was like a sneak peek. But they're not there yet. And so – to assume you're going to go into Oxford and assume you, that you should beat Mississippi State, Ole Miss, South Carolina, and Arkansas and go 4-0 and in those games every year, it's like, well, you better be a legit top top 10 program year in and year out to do that. I mean, just ask Georgia last weekend. Yeah, no question uh, about that. Billy Lucci from Texas. A couple of minutes left, Billy. Obviously, this team took a pretty significant hit when Jay Sean Corbin went down. Uh, it was there were big shoes to fill uh, replacing Travion Williams from from a year ago, and I don't know that he was going to fill those shoes, but I, I at least got the impression that they liked where things were headed with him at the running back position. Not a lot of success running the football. How important is it going to be for A and M to run the ball successfully against Ole Miss if they are going to get a win on Saturday? It, I think you, it, success is relative. 
Okay. You know, I think if A and M can run the football just enough, then they'll be they'll be fine. And I think some of that they'll be fine offensively because if they can run it enough and not be completely one dimensional, then I think what we've seen from Ole Miss this year is you can throw the ball on them. And the Aggies, I wouldn't say they're great at wide receiver and in the passing game, but they're certainly good. And Kellen Mond has the potential uh, on any given Saturday to have a really big, really big game. And uh, he's re- if you go look at what he's done in SEC play, and that two of those, like you said, are against Bama and Auburn, he's been pretty darn good. And he's averaging, you know, even with sacks being factored in, right around 350 yard or 335 yards of offense a game with eight touchdowns and one turnover. And again, that's Bama, Auburn, and Arkansas. So. He's done a good job. If they can have at least a little bit to not be one-dimensional, then I think this offense can can do really well. Now, here's the thing. It might be a situation where a lot of that running game actually has to come from number 11, Kellen Montel, and they've gravitated towards that these last couple weeks, if you look at it, not only in play calling, but also, I think Kellen's figured out that, in some ways, the, the they don't have they don't have a lot without Corbin to put pressure on an opposing defense. Uh, but one of the guys who can absolutely put pressure on a defense and leverage and stress them is Kellen if he tucks it and runs. You know, when he drops back and it's not there, because that's yeah. probably right now A and M's best way. Um, to pressure a defense. Billy, really appreciate your time this afternoon. Look forward to seeing you this weekend, my man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's always always a great time in Oxford. All right. That's Billy Lucci from texags.com on the Farm Bureau phone line. We're back with you after this. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming online at supertalk.fm. Glad to have you along. I'm not. I'm not going to share this like to air grievances. And as kind as many of you are, we don't need a bunch of responses. Like, oh, I love you guys. You're doing it the right way. I, I, I just want to. I just want to pull back the curtain for a second. So I don't even know who this is from. Yeah, I, I would appreciate it if you put your name on it. But you know, whatever. Do what you want to do. Stick to sports guy at six nine gmail dot org. Six. Uh, Ceasefire nice. text line. 601-879-4395. This goes back to when we're doing the dumb criminal of the news, uh, dumb criminal of the day story. For the first time ever. Uh, it's something we do a couple of times a week, usually. We immediately get stick to sports. Yeah, is this not a sports show anymore? <laughs> hey, Dad actually had a pretty clever response where he said, no, we're now Cheese Talk Mississippi. I responded, I bet you're fun to hang out with. Here was the response. This show has gone to hell since Matt left. At least he was funny. It makes it easy for me to change stations when y'all talk about Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and cheese. Borky told him that we got a lot of response to those conversations. Which we did. Which we did. But but here's my response. And and I just sent this guy a text if he happens not to be listening anymore. But but if you happen to be like, we'll call him Fred, in... Ah, I tell you what, let's call him Bob and Bogachita, just for fun. If you happen to be like Bob and Bogachita, where you want serious sports talk beginning to end Monday through Friday, every single day, every single second, I got bad news for you. You're probably in the wrong spot. Might I suggest the Jim Rome show? Just stop. (laughs) ESPN News. 
Stop. I'm, I'm, it's actually being serious. Oh. I'm sorry that you think the show's gone to hell. I actually think you're in the minority. We got a lot of really good feedback about the people that are on the show and the format and the way we go about our business on the day. I do appreciate you listening. I really do. And I appreciate that you have a different opinion of how we should kind of build the show on a day-to-day basis. But here's my goal. I did just completely pulling back the curtain. My goal is to have fun with this show and for the overwhelming majority of you, wherever you are listening, whoever you are, whatever it is that you do for a living or in your spare time, whether you're just hanging out or whatever, I don't want you to agree with me all the time. I don't want you to agree with Hey Dad or Rippy or Borky. I don't care if you hate us some of the time, you love us some of the time, some of the time you're caught in the mirror. We just want to put together an entertaining product. And so that's going to be overwhelmingly majority sports. And of that overwhelming majority of sports, it's going to be overwhelmingly a majority Ole Miss, Mississippi State. We're going to talk Southern Miss. Probably need to do that a little bit more. We're going to talk about the Major League Baseball playoffs when they're happening. We're going to talk about the NFL. We're going to talk about guys that played or gals that played at Ole Miss or Mississippi State or Southern Miss or other schools in the in the SEC that are doing interesting things. And then you know what else we're going to do? We're going to pick some things that are interesting or funny or people who aren't locked into just one thing all the time might find interesting. Now, I'm just waiting for the text where somebody says, uh, hey, would you guys get back to sports? Yeah, we will. <laughs> we will. I, I don't know if you care about this explanation or not. I don't care if you care about the explanation, but I want you to understand what we're trying to do on a radio on, on this show. We spend 15 hours a week talking with you. And if you think there's 15 hours a week of content that is nothing but Mississippi State and Ole Miss, I'm sure there's an outlet there for you, but it's not an outlet that I'm plugging into because it would make me want to drive my head through a sheetrock wall and be perfectly okay with the idea that there might be a stud on the other side of the sheetrock. That's how I would feel about this show if that's what we did every single day. I don't care if you don't like Depeche Mode. Neither do I. Is it? underrated. Shut up, hey, Dad. No, they're not. They're terrible. It's techno 80s crap. This is what he's talking about. You ta- you've hijacked the show. I'm taking over. Uh, All right. What are we talking about now, Borky? Cheese. <laughs> Stuffed pork. Four of the last five teams to make the trip to Starkville, Mississippi, ranked in the top 25 for a football contest, have gone home losers. The only team that won that falls into that category was Alabama in 2017. And for a pretty significant part of that game, it looked like they were going to leave as a loser as well. Yes, they had that Alabama team. Huh? So they had the lead in the fourth quarter in that game. Yes, yes. And for all the uh, Jalen Hurts can't throw the football guys, he made a couple of pretty nice throws in the fourth quarter of that game. 
I feel pretty vindicated on my Jalen Hurts as a decent college quarterback take. By the way, that Alabama team did go on to win a national championship. So here's your question. Um, hey, Dad, you said yesterday, if you play the game, you got a chance. Yeah. Period. Uh, Borky says, see Carolina, comma, South. <laughs> Just last week. What's the path for Mississippi State? However slim the chance is, if Mississippi State were to pull off what would probably be considered the biggest upset of this football season? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Is that right? I would say so, yeah. If they went on it, Saturday, would, would that be the upset. biggest upset of the year? That would be a bigger upset than South Carolina beating Georgia, I believe. The spread would not be a bigger upset, though. Sure. I agree That's, with that. You're right about that, but I but. think having the, the, the knowledge that we have, I think we can agree that it would be bigger. All right. So what's Mississippi State's path? First off, that stat is crazy. Borky brought that up to me yesterday, and I had to do the, the research because I didn't believe it. It's accurate. I, I, I was very surprised by that. Um, well, doesn't that just mean that State didn't play a ranked team at home last year? Because like, no, they played. They beat two ranked teams at home last year. Really? They beat Auburn and Texas A and M. Both two were ranked. Okay, when they so came I thought this was mostly a Mullen geared statistic. No, no, no. But what's what makes it bad is State's lost three home games to unranked teams in that same time frame. Okay. Um. But that said, the, the the path is is the path of aggression. You just you know, there's gonna be a lot of cliches, I guess, here. But it's fourth and one from the LSU 46 yard line. You have to go. There's no punting there. You know, it's fourth and eight from the 21 yard line. There's no kicking a field goal. You're just gonna have to try to score a touchdown there. Defensively, with if you give Burrow time, he is going to pick you apart. You can't give him any time. You're going to have to blitz. You may leave yourself open for some some big plays, but the big news there is that you were going to leave yourself open for those plays either way. So if I'm Mississippi State, I, I, I'm not, I'm going to just you know I'm going to hate to use this, but you know, leave it all out there on the field. I'm I'm not going to sit back and let LSU attack me. I'm going to attack them as best that I can, and I'm going to take some risk. I'm going to have to put some plays in the playbook that you haven't seen yet. I'm going to have to, to maybe try a trick play here or there. There the the, the underdog handbook. You got to use the whole thing in this game. Flea flicker. Sure. Statue of Liberty? Why not? Annexation of Puerto Rico? I'm in. Let's do it. Student body right, student body left? No, not so much. Guy who invented that's on the sideline over there. He's in the coach's box, one of the two. Who? John Robinson. He's an analyst for LSU. Like the John Robinson that was at Southern Cal? Yes. I had no idea that was the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty sure a friend of the program, Brody Miller, wrote about that. I should have yeah, he did. read that. So, Oh, it wasn't like you didn't do your homework type of thing. I just remembered seeing that once Hey Dad said it. Yeah. Um, you can't trick play your way to a uh, you, no, no, trick no, you play can't. your way to a win, though. No, you can't, but you got to have at least one of them in there. You got to show them something different. Would that, speaking as a guy who knows little to nothing about state, would that show a side of Moorhead you haven't seen yet? It would. As an aside. Yeah. It would. It's our text line. What? 
When Rippy found out Richard's urologist was named Dr. Harden, that 15 minutes was the funniest radio that I've is ever one of the heard. Lighten up, Francis. That was a great day. I remember we that. We will never top that, ever. Um, but with like it, the, would show, it, it would show that Moorhead has, has you know, taken from Monday, I felt like he maybe felt like some changes might be coming. Yes, that would show me some changes. Okay. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. I'm not going to indulge ourselves. We're not going to indulge ourselves and just read the last 50 messages on the ceasefire text line, I promise. But I love you. All of you, I love you. You make us laugh. Back after this in the Renaissance Bank studio. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.